What's up, everybody? Welcome to Draft Chaff. This is episode number 150. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts and joining me as per usual, Ben Fisher. Dude, can you believe we're at 150 episodes? No, I can't. We, we literally must have miscounted somewhere. <laughs> we we got to go back and figure out what went wrong. 150. Wow. If you're listening to this, thanks because you got us here. It's also May, which means we're coming up to our third anniversary. Ooh, how about that? Pretty cool. More on that later. But today... It's the battle of the battles. Before we get into that, of course, our usual housekeeping, check out the Discord if you're not already in there. It's the best place to be to chat with all the aficionado community, brag about your trophy decks, ask about your what's the picks, things like that. The link to that is in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And of course, people are loving the scoreboard in there. So as you get trophies, you can kind of keep track of who's doing really well in the server. Ben is currently at the top of the list, but <laughs> you've got a chaser. Koga's been chasing you up, man. Uh, yeah, we got a few people gaining on me quick. Uh, I, I don't know how long I can maintain this. And of course, if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod. A huge, huge thanks to all of our patrons who continue to support, support us each and every week. We're beyond grateful for, for all of you. And it's because of you that we've been doing this this long, even to get to 150 episodes. Perks over there on the Patreon include things like our Draft Doctor series, stickers, show notes, our pre-show recordings, and our Draft Talk Hero cards signed by us and sent out to you in the mail. And again, you can check that out at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod. All right, on to our Cracker Draft type thing. This week, our Cracker Draft looks like a pack one, pick one, right? Yep. This is the exact pack one, pick one I was faced with upon day two of the Arena Open. I got to say, this wasn't a bad pack to see, but the draft went downhill very quickly after this pack one, pick one. <laughs> uh, we'll start off with Swiftwater Eclipse, the blue-red gain land. Love it. It's a big part of these big teamer, five-color, four-color decks Blue and red are rarely the, the colors being cut. It's usually four color minus white or four color minus black. But th th this is a, a pretty important part as blue is, I think, clearly the, the best color in the set. We've got a Thunderhood Squadron. I don't really play this even in the like aggressive blue knights decks. It's, it's just too, I don't know, it's too weak to bounce. It's a lot of mana. It's a 3-4 flyer, which you do all that work and, you know, it just dies to vanquish the week still. Um, yeah, not, not too big on this one. It's also kind of off vector for those decks because they usually want to be pushing damage pretty quickly and you have to tap out to like tap your board basically to get this out above curve. So totally definitely a, a mid to low tier uh, convoke payoff more on more on that later. Uh, Tarkir Dune Shaper is up next. I like this one drop. If you're in a white deck, you need a one drop and <laughs> you want to keep attacking. I mean, this thing can attack well past the usual uh, one drops life expectancy. So, yeah, I like it. Definitely. We've got a protocol night. Again, just kind of a clunky four drop. These are things that tend to get cut in favor of uh, better Convoke cards. Moment of Truth, same thing here. Uh, this is just not the draw you want. You want Meeting of the Minds instead of this. I just haven't found the selection to be much better than just getting to draw more cards. We've got a Furnace Toast Charger. I still like these Cyclers. Uh, this is the red one. A little further, a little further down on them than I was at the start of the format. But the slower decks can definitely afford to cycle uh, or play one or two of these. Uh, and cycle this on the early turns. Although I, I think I am a little lower on doing it on turn two. I think I do like to affect the board just to prevent you from getting snowballed out of the game, which is a thing that can happen in this format. Here's something I've actually cast on turn two a couple times, but don't love doing it. It's the Flywheel Racer, the uh, weird vigilant vehicle mana dork. I, I've come across some scenarios where I actually did have to play this and, you know, it wasn't, wasn't great. <laughs> but if you need a two drop, it is two mana. <laughs> We've got an Etched Host Doombringer is one of our last couple of comments here. The 5 out of 3-5 that ETVs the drain. I actually was 
exactly happy playing this in my Obosh uh, black white deck, which was super sick. Uh, but this this was still just fine. It's also, I mean, it does have a second mode there uh, where you can use it to kind of ramp out your battles or prevent your opponent from defeating their own. Um, I think that almost makes it like sideboardy, to hmm. be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, but it, it goes up for me in pick order if you already have quite a few battles in your deck. <laughs> you getting to put three on one your opponent is trying to attack down and then also put a three five just on the on the field. That pretty much says you're never flipping this. Like, good luck, yep. buddy. Does still die to Vanquish the Week, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Crystal Carapace. Nope. This is junk. <laughs> yeah, just don't play uh, it. Yeah. Removal's pretty great in this format. Bounce, kill spells, blue and black are, are firing on all cylinders. So tapping out for four mana auras is not really high on my list of things to do. Nope. And we've got Bola Slinger. Bolus Lingers. Hmm. We got Bola Slinger here. Uh, it's fine. Again, it's a four drop, but my white deck's... I mean, they, they will play this. Uh, getting the tap ability on multiple creatures can really help uh, just wiggle your team through some pesky blockers, but this is not a super exciting card anywhere near early enough. Also, it's a soldier, not a knight, so it, it's, it ends up awkward. a little too off vector in, in like the really dedicated blue-white knights decks where you're trying to trigger your like knight's ETB triggers on the uh, the common two-drop and the, uh, the, the uncommon three-drop. I have found this card to be a pretty great... Um, I don't know if I would call it a top end necessarily, but approaching the top end of your like really aggressive blue white knight decks because mm-hmm. it, it does enable attacks on pretty pivotal turns if you hold it up and almost think about it like a combat trick instead of uh, a creature um, to just put a counter on something, prevent their best blocker from blocking, and now suddenly you have really good attacks and you can just full swing. Um, I have yeah. found it to be relatively useful in that way, but yeah, still nothing like absolutely incredible that you're looking at first pick by any means. Yeah, that's true. It's cool how backup, the abilities themselves kind of have haste. Uh, I don't know if anyone out there remembers rocket-powered turbo slug, an old uncard, but the joke was it could attack the turn before you cast it. So <laughs> you had you could like, I think it was a four drop in red, so you would you would uh, like let it attack on turn three somehow. I think you just put it on the battlefield on combat and like attack with it, and then you had to cast it the next turn <laughs> in which it could attack again. Uh, the, the way the battle abilities kind of remind me of that so far, what are you interested in? Not a ton, to be honest with you. I mean, dune shaper or swift water cliffs, maybe the furnace host charger. I will admit, I also have gone down on these a little bit and the red one was already my least favorite. Like I didn't, mm-hmm. I think, I think there is a, its own kind of tier system between all the different colors for these. And red was definitely at the bottom of the totem pole for me, but yeah, uh, I don't know. I might just be looking at the land here. Yeah, I agree. Let's see if our uncommons can do better. We've got Mutagen Connoisseur, the blue-green vector uncommon, the 05 Flying Vigilance. An annoying little card. I mean, I've only seen a couple decks. I think maybe two or three opponents I played against had really dedicated transform decks where they had both plenty of battles, like Invasion of Pyrulia, the blue-green one, uh, and like Incubator Tokens. But overall, this just hasn't been super impressive. If you want a huge blocker that's impossible to get through, then yeah, this is it. So again, if you could sideboard this in, if your opponent has tons of battles and you're already in like a blue-green ramp deck, but this is this is just not really great in my opinion. It, it takes a lot of work. I mean, it's, it's probably one of the most... Uh, uh, I don't even know how to phrase it, but it's probably one of the signposts that that requires the most work than that we've seen in recent history. Yeah, we've got Invasion of Kamigawa as our siege in this uh, in this pack. When ETBs, you tap an artifact or a creature an opponent controls, and you put a stun counter on it. Uh, 
I will admit I actually misplayed against this card. My opponent cast this, put a stun counter on my things, and I was like, oh boy, I have the uh, the, the green untap card, right? The one that just says untap target creature. And I entirely forgot that it's not doesn't untap during next untap step. It's if it would untap, instead remove a stun counter from it. So I they attacked with like a preening champion. I cast this on my 3-3 three, three, and, then, and then tossed out that oops real quick. Man, that was nice. embarrassing. Uh, opponent, if you're listening, um, that, that, this doesn't represent me. <laughs> uh, anyway, th- this one's not great. The back is the 2-3 that whenever it deals combat damage to a player or battle draw card. It's, it's kind of impossible for a 2-3 flyer to get in that many times honestly i like the two drop in black the the rogue that flips into the three three death touch the the, the um the saboteur with this same ability uh this this just takes so much work and honestly that the onboard presence that you get from this just putting a stun counter on something and tapping it down uh yeah it's it's just not really doing it for me that stun counter is kind of best when used in like hyper aggro decks like four mana to tap a creature it doesn't untap next turn you really want to be making use and like building out your board, attacking through that creature, uh, because then when they untap, it's functionally like you're down a card. If they if they untap and they're stabilized, it's like this card did nothing, and you just kind of threw a card away for no, no reason. And at that point, if they've stabilized and you haven't killed them yet, are, are you getting the rooftop saboteurs? Like, can you attack through to it? Wouldn't you rather just attack through to them? Uh, do you even want the rooftop saboteurs at that point if they've stabilized on the on the ground and in the air against like a blue white flyers deck? So. Uh, not big on Invasion of Kamigawa, but we'll talk more about that later, I guess. Yeah. Next uncommon here, Glistening Deluge. The one black black, minus one, minus one for all creatures until end of turn. And they get an additional minus two, minus two if they're green or white. Honestly, I, I've been playing more best of three. And even out of the sideboard, I haven't... Sometimes you just don't. <laughs> the, the decks that are super green white can sometimes just outpace this really quickly. But yeah, it is worth bringing in. That's exactly it, though. I mean, this is not really a main deckable card. No. Yeah, this isn't the format. There were some formats in, in the past where there were so many good X1s, even up through like turns three, four, five, that you could main deck this. But uh, this isn't this isn't one of those. Well, the interesting thing, too, is that this format, I mean, yes, there are a lot of like X1 tokens, like the red blue tokens floating around. The knights are, are two twos and they kind of get got by this. That's but true. This doesn't this just doesn't touch uh, incubators. So, mm, yeah. Like there are very few one, one incubators rolling around. Most of them are two twos or bigger. So yeah, I don't know. I, I, I really just never want to main deck this card. Yeah. And sometimes I don't want to side it in our multiverse legend is Daxos blessed by the sun. That's the white, white two star where stars are devotion to white. Whenever a thing ETBs or dies, you gain one life. This card I've been, I've been meaning to try something. Uh, I, I want to have a deck with both this and Lathiel bounteous dawn. I think I that's played uh, against it. Oh Yeah. How'd that go? Oh, I lost very handily. (laughs) Yeah, I can't imagine it went well, right? Yeah, um, classic Soul Sisters nonsense, right? Uh, It seems like a lot of fun. But besides that, there's not really a strong life gain vector in this set. So if you're playing a heavy white deck, this thing can be like a 2-5 for 2. And at some point, the the, the rate, just like vanilla creature-wise, is good enough. And it gains a bunch of life, too. So uh, this is not always going to be the most on vector card in your deck but it is just a pretty solid you know main deck inclusion uh prevents you from dying against like a a quick beatdown deck or i don't know can just block a five five at some point in the game so uh notably these demigods they do get housed by the uh, the, the one raptor the five mana three four etb it gains haste or blow up an artifact or enchantment uh 
this is just that that interactions come up a bunch of times. Uh, I've been on both sides of it. And, you know, it's not fun when you play an, uh, an artifact or an enchantment creature and accidentally give your opponent a flame tongue Kabu. Yeah, I will say um, Daxos feels like one of the better options as far as the demigods go uh, in this set. Um, I, it's just like such incidental value. I mean, you put this in your deck, you're playing white pips. Every creature you play makes it better. You're gaining life. It's kind of helping you. Sure, you you know, you the gain life thing isn't like a big synergistic aspect of the format, but if you gain three or four life against a relatively aggressive deck, like that can be a big deal. So um, I've liked Axos, but again, it's not a card that you necessarily need to prioritize taking highly. It just fits into your deck as a nice 22nd or 23rd inclusion, and it's just going to perform decently. Mm-hmm. The green one, Renata, I found pairs pretty well with Kami of Whispered Hope. Uh, the, the one oh, that Renata's doubles. just good with everything green, but yeah, Kami <laughs> makes that card so gross. Yeah, and uh, the black one's just fine in hating on the occasional graveyard things that are happening. Sometimes people are trying to get stuff back, or uh, I don't know. Sometimes you could leave up an activation and eat all their instants and sorceries so that the, the good blue-black decks uh, can't use the fairy to, to cast stuff. Yeah. Um, anyway, our, our rare, or actually mythic here, is Borboregmos and Fibblethip, and I was very pumped to see this pack one pick one. Uh, this has become a bit of a pet card for me. I keep opening it, and also I... Uh, I have this thing where I'm, I'm incapable of passing it. If I'm touching green, I'm like, oh yeah, I can cast that. <laughs> it's, it's like, a, it's a team or legend. Of course I can cast that, right? So uh, I, I've, I've won a lot of games with Borbergamos and Fibblethip and uh, sadly didn't really make much of an appearance in the open for me. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's the clear pick here though. I, I, don't, I don't think this pack was even close enough to, to really take anything else. No, and now that we've kind of settled in the format, we do start to see packs like this where you know th- there's some slightly less exciting options. You could imagine if this was uh, like a, a maybe not so impactful rare, you might feel yourself like, like oh man, <laughs> the the person to my right might have opened the Nellis Norn, and what, what am I looking at? But thankfully, Borby came in uh, came in clutch here. All right, on to our Teferi Tibble. This is our Roses and Thorns style segment where Ben and I share a high and a low from the past week. What's going on, Ben? Well, I may as well start with my Tibble, which is uh, kind of a continuation of that draft. The open was not great. I did do pretty well on day one. Wait, I made you it on my you second didn't win attempt. the open? <laughs> Look, just because I do it once doesn't mean it's going to happen every time. I accept this. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I'm glad we're recording this so I can play it back to you later. <laughs> yeah, it might happen again eventually, though. We'll see. Uh, I'm going to keep trying. Uh, but no, th- this one was clearly just not my not my time. Uh, the draft was a mess, and one the, maybe one of the messiest drafts I've had in the format. Uh, this this pack one pick one board bring most and fibble thip was great, but really after seeing that, you hope to get a lot of the good green and blue uncommons and commons, just these high win rate cards like Afara's dispersal and preening champions. Uh, I could pretty clearly tell that I had a strong pod uh, because I don't think I saw a single one of the quote unquote good top commons. Uh, I did see a lot of junk in white, red, and a bit in green, which I, I kind of forced in there. I wound up in this really not very strong Naya deck. I think my seat was probably supposed to be red, white, or red, green, neither of which I love in this format. Definitely playable, but even along those colors, I didn't really have anything going vector-wise. I was just hoping to out-card quality my opponent, and when playing against commons that are better than your commons, uh, like preening champions, it's not going to go well. So uh, I I had a pretty quick run in day two. And I've been hitting a bit of a rough patch in mom. I started with like a 65% win rate in games, which is, it's pretty up there for me. I'm pretty proud of that. Uh, But I've been slowly sinking back down to a a little below my average, something like 56, 57. And that's not 
not great. I think I'm going to try playing a little more best of three um, just because my match win percentage is, is what I'd like to kind of keep up there, you know, try to maintain. Uh, that's how you compete in real life tournaments, right? In best of three games. So I think I'm going to focus on that, although grinding and hitting that, that, that mythic, that diamond, that feels good, you know, but I think the keeping gems around <laughs> so that I can keep drafting is more important. Now, my Teferi was that the Open was a lot of fun. It continues to be a lot of fun. I continue to really enjoy playing in them. Just the hype around it is is so exciting. Uh, and I'll, I'll keep thinking it's probably the best Magic tournament thing we've got going so far. Uh, also, it's it's on Arena. You can just do this from, from home. My Teferi is that, uh, those that don't know, I'm a teacher. And for spring sports, a lot of my students invited me to see some of their games. Uh, this this would have started as a, as, a, as a tibble, but this definitely ends as a Teferi. Uh, I went to one of my uh, students lacrosse games. I had a couple of students on the team and it was, it was cold. It was like 50, <laughs> which come on, it's May, like environment. Let's, let's come on. We, we got to get this in shape here anyway. So standing outside there, I think it was like a two and a half or three hour game. It went into triple overtime. Uh, and it was, it was brutal. It just back and forth. I love watching lacrosse. It's a lot of fun, but, uh, finally my students scored the winning goal and that was that was pretty sick to see uh they like dumped water on him and everything which maybe would have been rough because it was really cold outside uh anyway my last affair is that i'm teaching uh sound in in physics right now and that means i get to teach about music which is always fun get to bring a guitar in um i'm gonna sing for my class this week which they've been begging me to do all year anyway so uh this uh this deep podcast voice isn't just good for, (laughs) for this (laughs) <laughs> um, uh, hopefully they, they enjoy that and uh, I don't embarrass myself too much hopefully I don't wind up on the front page of, of Reddit or TikTok or anything for getting filmed by doing this hopefully it goes well we'll say what's up with you yeah uh, I'll start with my tibble, tibble as well um, yeah this week has been really weird weather wise I mean it's been raining like almost non-stop oh, for like man. four days now it and sucks. the temperature has dropped like 10 to 15 degrees so not loving that it does look like it's supposed to be back up in the 70s this weekend so that's nice but I think it's still going to be overcast so I'm just I'm just ready for some actual like nice weather going into the summer here I mean mm-hmm. kind of figured when April ended we'd be we'd be done with this but yeah such luck so Hopefully the rain will dissipate and we can get some sun. Um, other, also, I missed the open this weekend. I was really excited to play in it, but I it just didn't work out with my schedule. I wasn't really able to do it. So unfortunate there, but uh, glad to see everybody jumping in the discord and kind of sharing uh, their pools and stuff. It was, a, it was a fun thing to kind of follow along, even though I couldn't play in it. Um, and my Teferi this week was that uh, gym progress has been going well. I, I think I've mentioned it a few times, but uh, I kind of started in the gym pretty regularly this week, uh, this, this year. Um, this was... Tomorrow will hit the end of week 18 for me of nice just straight. I did take one week off as like a rest week in between there, but, uh, after week 10, but, um, yeah, it's been, it's been good to kind of actually stick with it for a long period of time. And, uh, I'm, I'm very motivated by the progress picks I've been taking. I'm, it's actually nice to see a, a difference because that's one of the biggest demotivators for me in the past has been just like feeling like I'm not making any progress, but yeah, it's been great. All right, on to our listener question of the week. This week, our question comes from Nathan, and Nathan says, you mentioned interest in Oathbreaker. Have you made your first Oathbreaker deck? If so, what is it? And if not, what do you think it will be? So Ben, I'm curious for you because I, I know I mentioned that I have an interest in Oathbreaker. Have you looked into Oathbreaker at all? Yeah, I have. I actually did toss a deck together. Uh, it was the Wandering Emperor, and I did try it out on Arena a little bit. Um, I, I wasn't, I, I mean, oh, as as far as you can, right? <laughs> uh, I guess it was a bit of a port of it, but I kind of tried like a, uh, oh, I also tried the Eternal Wanderer. I tried both, like an Eternal Wanderer, uh, ETB Blink style deck. 
Uh, Mono White just wasn't really doing it for me. Um, I've played Mono White Commander decks before, but it just felt something was a little off. Uh, I believe my, um, my my signature spell was, was it Eerie Interlude or it was one of the mass flicker effects. I think it was whatever that one from Strixhaven was, like the Spring Break card, uh, because that one can also flicker Planeswalkers and they come in with extra loyalty. Uh, I, I was messing around with that, but I, I wasn't super happy with the way it worked out. I might try again, as I do just love mono white stuff. It, it's just fun. Uh, I might try again with something like Elspeth Resplendent. I don't know. I, I'd probably err towards one of these high-powered Planeswalkers, lower-powered spells, uh, specifically cheap ones, because I, I love being able to cast things multiple times. I think that's that's maybe the, the best appeal of this. Uh, let me guess. You, you built like jace and counterspell or some nonsense nope the deck i'm building isn't even blue no blue to be found at all and that's because they printed a planeswalker with a static ability that says creatures you control deal damage equal to their their toughness instead of their power right right Watley makes sense yeah Watley and tower defense man i'm loving that i can get a a big butts a true to form big Deck. If you're not familiar with Oathbreaker 2, um, Oathbreaker is essentially a commander, but you play with a 60-card deck, and instead of getting a commander, you get an Oathbreaker, which is a Planeswalker. It has to be a Planeswalker. And then you also get a signature spell that's tied to that Planeswalker. So you can use you can cast both your Oathbreaker and your signature spell from the command zone. Same rules apply as commander. They cost two extra to cast every time you cast them. But it's kind of a different dynamic. And a 60-card deck, so it's a lot cheaper to get into. Uh, it has its own ban list and otherwise uses the commander card pool. So it uh, seems really fun. I haven't played it yet, uh, and there aren't really too many easy ways to play it online. Like you said, you you know you can kind of do it on arena, Ben, but you don't get to use your signature spell from the command zone, and uh, mm-hmm. you can't really have commander. Like, Brawl doesn't let you have Planeswalkers as commanders, do they? Oh, it does. Yeah, I think. Oh, I didn't. Right? I haven't really played Brawl, so I'm not sure. Uh, I've only ever played creatures, but I, I feel like you can. I think that's what I tested it with. You can't in Commander, so I didn't. I didn't know you could in, in Brawl. That's cool. But yeah, so so Nathan, answer your question. Mine is Quatly, um, the the uncommon one from War of the Spark. Yeah, that's a good pick. I probably need to dive deeper into it. I, I just want to have a cheap Planeswalker so that I actually do something with it. But I also don't want to have one that's too busted. I don't know. I, I have a lot of brewing to do. I, I am interested, though. And I'm also open to suggestions. Um, if anyone out there has you know, different options, I'm going to turn the, the question back on the listener. Uh, let us know if you have any cool Oathbreaker ideas. Also, I'm very interested in tying particular spells to, to certain commanders, uh, whether flavor-wise or if there's like a, a super strong vector synergy that that you've spotted that you think could be, could be cool to, to work with. Uh, curious to hear what what our listeners have already come up with. All right, on to our main topic this week, and our main topic here is the Battle of the Battles. You heard us right. Battles are a super exciting new card type. We're really excited to kind of get our hands on these after finally kind of, you know, so long of trying to understand what they were and what they would look like. So we're going to rank every single one of the, the battles from March of the Machine. There are 36 of them total. We're going to go through alphabetically from Alara to Zendikar and do a proper tier list. So if you're not on Spotify where you can watch our, our video versions of the show. Uh, check out YouTube where we're going to kind of have a video for the, the actual tier list. Otherwise, the link will be public so you can check this out. Make your own tier list. We'd love to see how uh, how you guys differ from where we land on them. And uh, this should be fun. All right. Well, let's just start off alphabetically with Invasion of Alara. This is a fun one, the five color one. All the way up at seven defense. But uh, I don't know. Have you cast this? 
I haven't, but I've played against it a few times and it's disgusting. Every, every time it gets played against me, I'm like, wow, that does a lot of stuff. And then it hits the board <laughs> and I'm like, oh God, I can't let this flip. <laughs> yeah. It's going to do a lot more stuff. Yeah, that's exactly it. I found this trivially easy to cast. You can pretty much have five mana Wooberg on, on turn. You can do it on turn four, and I have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, to be honest with you, this should not have been Wooberg. It should have been Wooberg plus like four or five mana. <laughs> I'm okay with it being Wooberg. It is very difficult to flip with seven. It does affect the board too, but you're, you're free casting a four drop spell. That four drop spell isn't always going to be the thing that helps you like flip this. It might just be a dorky creature or I have actually seen this hit like a counter spell and that then that's not very good or like yeah. a combat trick that's not relevant at the time. Uh, because of that, this isn't just an automatic game winner and it is a little difficult to, to get to, but I would put this in the uh, in the A tier. I think it's that good. Yeah, I think I think A is is where this belongs for sure. Yeah. All right. Next up, we've got Invasion of Amonkhet. This one is just super solid, and this is one that I think really kind of hits home what what we like in 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 uh, in the sieges. Right. We we kind of wanted to talk about what makes a battle worth playing or what's make what makes a siege worth playing, I guess we'll say because these battles may change in the future, but there's a balance you have to strike between what it does on the front side, what it does on the back side, and how easy it is to flip. And so we're gonna you're gonna see we prioritize a lot of the ones that affect the board right away. And Ben already mentioned that with Invasion of Alara, that it does kind of affect the board. The battles that affect the board right away and do something relevant on the board are usually the ones that we're probably going to see in the higher tiers here. Invasion of Amonkhet doesn't quite do that, but it does enough on the front side and has a low enough defense with a high enough upside on the backside that makes this one quite good. And I'm always happy to put this in my decks. Yeah, it turns out making your opponent discard stuff is especially relevant in these kind of late game formats where, I don't know, your opponent is waiting to draw their sixth land for the Kogla and Yadaro. So that it's gotten stranded in their hand a little bit or they're waiting to top deck their second swamp for their deadly derision. So you can sometimes really get your opponent if they have a couple really good cards in hand. Uh, this is the type of format where you play out your lands uh, you cast your card draw spells. You have cards in hand for a very long time. Uh, usually most of the game, it's very rare that you're empty-handed. And when that happens, you tend to lose. Uh, so Invasion of Amonkhet is almost always going to get value. And as I mentioned, the backside, if it's actually that good, it bumps the whole card up. I have some, I've done some really nasty stuff with the backside of Invasion of Amonkhet. Probably the most disgusting I've done with it is uh, reanimating Itali. And then getting the, oh, <laughs> the Itali <God>. ETV trigger. <laughs> That's disgusting. Uh, I've also gotten a lifelinker. I've gotten a preening champion as a 4-4 flyer that makes a 1-1. Just really, really nasty stuff. Oh, I got a um, uh, professor of herbology. Is that it? The uh, the, the yeah. two mana 1-3. And then, uh, well, it just ETV, ETV to get a bunch of life. But I guess you can't flip it. I don't know. I didn't try. <laughs> It does enter as a copy of the thing, so it would have the ability to flip it, but I don't know if flipping it does anything. I haven't tried that either, but yeah, where do we want to put this one? I probably put this in B. Oh man, no, this is this is better to take than Invasion of Alara, right? Hold on. I would think so. <laughs> I would think so. I would put this in A tier. I don't think it quite makes it into the S tier though. Like it's not that good, but yeah. I would take yeah. it above Alara. Yeah. Honestly, no, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's right. I, I would I would I'd put it right there. Next up, we've got Invasion of Arcavios. Uh, this is Strixhaven. Uh, the five mana seven defense, it does some stuff with searching your library, graveyard, exile outside the game or something for, for a card. You put it in your hands. It's not It's not good. The back side of this uh, doesn't do anything really either. This is more a constructed card. This is more a commander card. I don't even know if it's going to see play there. 
It's just so inefficient. This, I think, goes straight to the trash. Yeah, not a fan of Invasion of Arcavios. We'll just dump that in the trash bin. On to Invasion of Asgul. This is the red-black one. Uh, ETB sack creature, Planeswalker. Opponent loses one life. Yeah, fine. Uh, I don't find this one to be impactful enough on the front side to be all that useful. I mean, there are enough tokens running around that making your opponent sack a creature really doesn't do too much. I guess on turn two, it does. Like, they probably mm-hmm. don't have tokens. And, I mean, if you hit, like, an order of the mirror or something with this, you're, you feel pretty good, I guess. But uh, the backside's decent. I mean, I, I remember, I'm, I've been pretty scared of the backside. And it's only four defense. I don't know. This feels like C plus, B minus tier for me. Yeah, I would put this in B. I feel like there's some early impactful plays, like two and three mana creatures that you're really happy to trade this with. And even then, it is just more icing on the cake after that, right? Like getting to flip it. It only has four defense. Black and red don't usually have that much trouble attacking down battles or even removing the counters in other ways. So uh, I've been liking Invasion of Asgold more than some of the ones we're about to see next. I'd probably put this in like low B tier. It'll be the only B for now, but we can leave it there. By the way, folks, if you haven't figured this out already, S tier is the absolute best. We've got A, B, C, D. And then rather than have an F tier, we have just a straight up trash tier because that's more fun to say. Uh, This is also a bit of a... I don't know, a, a bit of a meme. <laughs> don't, don't don't take us too seriously. Don't use this as like a, a perfect grading scale. Uh, I would not, not a recommend pick order list. Yeah, this is not a pick order list. This is co- kind of our subjective interpretations. Notably, we are not basing this on 17 lands data, although it wouldn't surprise me if 17 lands data roughly backs up our, our overall impression. Uh, it'd be cool to check afterwards and see how that actually looks. Next up, we've got Invasion of Belanon. This is the three mana, five defense, ETBs to make a 2-2 white and blue knight. On the backside, it has a glorious anthem. Seems strong. I the backside is an anthem. I don't. <laughs> really? I love this card. I have kind of stopped playing it. I found removal to be efficient enough in this format that an anthem isn't always the best thing that you want. And even if you have a board where like an Anthem would be good, sometimes your opponent has like a 6-6 six, six, and it doesn't really do what you want it to do. And, and attacking all that, I think the same decks that want an Anthem don't want to spend all this time attacking this thing for five and like spending so resources. It, yeah, it's like the tempo decks, true. right? You can't spend a card in a tempo deck uh, if your opponent is at 25 life. Tempo decks don't work if your opponent's at 25 life. <laughs> the whole point is you're converting your cards uh inefficiently in order to shorten the game and when your opponent has an extra five life or maybe even six you have to attack it with two three threes or something right uh then it it doesn't work out that well i don't think the backside's worth it i put this firmly in c okay i have been saying i love the card i do actually think it's like i was i do put it at like a cc plus for me so i i don't think it's like you know, we're not too far off from each other, I think here, but, mm-hmm. uh, and I agree with what you said. I think a lot of the deck, there is sort of a vector tension here with this one, but, um, I have really liked it. I, I found it to go on, on the opponent's battlefield and me just be like, I can't let that flip. Although if this was a four toughness, it would be astronomically better or four defense. Yeah, true. That two, two, it's just not super impactful. If dispersal is one of the best kill spells in the format and it just kind of laughs at two token attackers. True. Next up is Invasion of Dominaria. This is the three mana five defense siege that ETBs to gain four. You draw a card and then it flips into a Sarah Angel, basically. A 4-4 four, four Flying Vigilance. Now, I love this one. I don't think it's and that I good. I think, it's just, <laughs> yeah. I think it's about as good as Invasion of Belanon. It's it's probably a little worse, actually. Yeah, I put it below Belanon. Uh, I have seen, like, I've seen one opponent flip this and it, you're like, okay, yeah, you've got a 4-4 four, four Vigilance Flyer, which is tough to deal with in this format. But, you mm-hmm. know, like you said, a Faro's Dispersal, you just 
bounce it or something. The four life isn't really that relevant and taking a turn off to do that and draw a card just isn't where you want to be when you could be playing like meeting of the minds and drawing two yep. without tapping any of your lands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Invasion of Belladon, at least that's a three mana two, two and an irrelevant creature type, right? This right. just, I, I don't think this has a home in the format. I've played it when my number of playables didn't quite get there. It's been fine. Uh, I think it's probably a D though. The interesting thing too with like Invasion of Belladon is something that you can like play on turn three and sometimes have four creatures out that lets you like tap all your cre- like that puts your fourth creature on the board and then you can tap out to like meeting of minds or something on four so you're really using mm-hmm. seven mana worth of spells on turn three which can be crazy but anyway next up we've got invasion of eldraine that's the four mana four defense etb they discard two cards the backside is the uh, the two three flyer prickle fairies i think at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep if they have two or less cards in hand uh, they take two damage this one's actually pretty good. I didn't like it when I when I first saw it. I think I was this is probably the the highest differential in what I thought it would be like and how it actually plays out. Again, you can just snipe some big impact cards from your opponent's hand. And uh on the backside, if you've made them discard a bunch of cards, chances are they played out their their ramp and their acceleration and maybe a card draw spell or two, and then they, they have these big haymakers or strong kill spells that they're saving for your strong haymakers. Uh, this thing can really get them. So I think I like this in maybe high C or low B. What, what do you think? Wow. No, I don't put it that high at all. I I mean, I do like the card. I just think this, the floor is too low on this. I mean, sometimes on turn four, you play this, they pitch two lands, and then they just like still just get to play all their stuff because everything convokes and whatever. Um, hmm. I don't like taking turn four off to to just make my opponent discard too, but the backside is, is somewhat relevant. I put this below... Belanon, but probably above Dominaria. Uh, I would put this above Belanon, but you're the one controlling the list, so I'll let you make the final call. I'm, that's interesting. You don't think getting the, the two, a three mana two two is better than four mana opponents discard two? I think it plays out better in this format to make them pitch two. Uh, then really? again, I've been playing a lot Convoke. of even with Convoke. I have been playing a lot of these big green teamer four color Sultai mirror matches. Uh, an invasion of Eldraine is is really strong in those. Uh, when, when you make your opponent discard two, then at that point, it's a card quality and card number war. And uh, this thing can help close up the games too. It's a little flyer. It's annoying. All right. I'm going to leave it where it is, just under Belanon, but you may be able to convince me otherwise. Next up is Invasion of Ergamon. This is the red-green one. Uh, two mana, five defense, ETB, create a treasure, and then you can discard a card if you do draw a card. And it flips into the three, four... Uh, trigger cliff cliff charger etbs discard a card and then if you do you can look for a land or battle and put it on the into your hand uh i don't think i've ever seen this one played to be honest and i've never wanted to put it in a deck yeah it's not super good uh i haven't really had a strong red green deck i did have a four-ish color deck that had a couple strong battles uh, and a copy of invasion of ergamon yeah it, it was it was fine it didn't feel great while playing it i'd be comfortable putting this in the d tier i think above uh, I think above Dominaria. Wait, I thought Dominaria was in D tier. No, we had we had Dominaria in C tier, but if we want to move it to D, I think I'm fine with that. Honestly, yeah. I think D is like really borderline playables. Invasion of Rugamon maybe is a little better than that, but ah, no, it's fine. I think we could put it at the top of D, uh, just above Invasion of Dominaria. Okay, so Dominaria in D tier, Aragamon just above that, also in D tier. Moving on. We've got Invasion of Fiora next. I love this card. This card is incredible. Six mana, four defense. You can choose either destroy all legendary creatures or all non-legendary creatures. Uh, I've gotten to use both modes to great effect. 
Sometimes you use just both at once. But I have also found situations where it's correct to kill all non-legends and also correct to kill all legends. Uh, super fun, super flexible. And on the back is Marchesa. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, it just so makes good. you the monarch. Just Now, again, it's at four defense. And that's a little bit of a problem because if you've killed all of your stuff, like you've wiped the full board, then you know it's going to be a little while before you can uh, actually get at that. That's Plus true. your opponent will probably get the first chance to rebuild. But you can play with this, right? Uh, you can... You're going to have legends in your deck, most likely. Uh, You can tune your game plan the the way you cast your cards, the order that you cast your cards, uh, to really maximize the effect. I think this is probably up in, dare I say, S? I I love this card so much. It's it's close for me as well. I would rather put it at A plus than S. I know we're not using plus minus scale here, but Mm. I don't think it quite cracks S tier for me. It is a six drop. It does have some awkward play patterns in that like sometimes you're just at parity with your opponent and you're either doing a full board wipe or you've got to kind of finagle to try to make it so that you're not behind by by wiping one or the other. Um, that said, I mean, it is an incredible card. It does have a lot of flexibility. And if if you get Marchesa out, like you're doing the thing. So I like it at top of A tier. I don't know that I'd put it in S though. I think it's going to be at the bottom of S for me. But All right. Well, I I had uh, I kept um, Eldraine below Bellinon, so we'll we'll give you this one. We'll put this one in S tier. Oh, you can put it wherever you want. I'm making my own list as we go. <laughs> we'll see how they <laughs> compare <is> later. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm going along with mostly what we're what we're talking about here. So the the listeners are up to date as well. Next up is Invasion of Gobakan. This is the one in a white invasion, uh or rather battle, and uh it's got three defense. When ETBs look at the t- a target opponent's hand, you can exile a non-card land from it, a non-land card from it. Uh for as long as that card remains exiled, its owner may play it, but it costs two more to cast. This is the uh, PVDDR effect. And then it flips into Light Shield Array, which is an enchantment that says at the beginning of your end step, put a 1-1 counter on each creature that attacked this turn, and you can sack it to give all your creatures hexproof and indestructible. Yeah, really sick card. I like it a lot yeah. in uh, Pioneer White Weenies. <laughs> and if it's if it's good <laughs> enough for that, it's probably going to be good and limited. Uh, I would put this at the top of A. Just really strong effects on both yeah, sides. Yeah, agreed. Very easy to flip, too. Next up, we've got Invasion of Ikoria. That's the X green green six defense. Uh, when it ETVs, search your library and or graveyard for a non-human card with mana value X or less, put it on the battlefield. I actually just played a deck that made maybe the best use of this I've ever seen. Uh, I had a deck with two copies of Omnath, a copy of Shieldred, and uh, a copy of Yarrick. Now, the, the way this works out, if you think about it, usually you just go get the Yarrick because I built the deck around Yarrick. And then you just do super busted things. Uh, I actually did get to cast Invasion of Ikoria with Yarrick on the field. You go get two other things. It's a double tutor. So I actually used Invasion of Ikoria to tutor out a Shieldred and an Omnath. Because of the Yarrick, it made my opponent double sacrifice things. And then, of course, Omnath is there. Uh, my opponent did scoop before the spell finished resolving, <laughs> before the abilities <laughs> finished resolving, because it was just so much value. Uh, that being said, this is a little awkward to use. Uh, I, I think it's not one of the, the best invasions in the set, but man, it's probably a little worse than Alara, but it's definitely better than Eldrain. Yeah. Well, there's a big gap between Eldrain and Alara. Oh, maybe on yours. <laughs> well, we had Asgol at B tier, didn't we? Yeah, we did. That's where I've got a. That's where I've got an Eldrain. Uh, what, what do oh, you think? I've got Eldrain at C, at, still at C tier, but uh, um, yeah, I, this one's great. I, it's it is tough to flip as well. 
Um, but Zalortha on the backside is is also quite good. I mean, it's pretty win more, I think, at that point. But oh yeah, um, yeah, I like Invasion of Ikoria. I definitely think it's at least in B tier, right? I mean, it scales with the with the value of your deck. I mean, if you have really good bombs in your deck to go grab with this, it's obviously much better than if you don't. So yeah, I think that there's a lot of context matters here. But I like putting it B tier. It's probably better than Asgol. Oh yeah, definitely. Maybe not the the best thing to pack one pick one because I don't know. It's not like one of the unconditional kill spell ones, right? Yeah, just like our next one here, Invasion of Innistrad. This is the two black black five defense siege uh, that has flash and when ETBs target creature and opponent controls gets minus 13, minus 13 until end of turn. Love that they use 13s for Innistrad. Very classic. Nice. And then it flips into Deluge of the Dead, the enchantment that uh, ETBs to create two, two, two zombies and then has the activated ability of two and a black exile target card from a graveyard. If it was a creature, make a zombie. So something approaching a scavenging ooze effect, I suppose. Sometimes you'll just win the game when you cast Invasion of Fiora. Neither side of this straight up says, I win the game, the game. right away, yeah. but they're both really good, right? Both sides are that good. Uh, plus the yeah. fact that this has flash and will kill basically anything in the set without hexproof. Um, this, I think, does go in S tier. You can't really pass this yeah. one if you're even close to the color. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I do put it above Fiora. I do too. Uh, mostly yeah. because of the casting cost, to be honest with you. I think if, if this one was even a little bit more expensive, it would be a much closer race. Mm-hmm. I have one against the backside. It wasn't super impressive. It does just make two twos, uh, and you can only make so many of them. That being said, it's it's still a strong effect, just strong on both sides. Uh, I've got it currently as, as our top uh, battle we've seen so far at the top of S, but there are some coming up that will edge it out. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, imagine if you had like a, I don't know, something like an anthem on the board when you when you got that, <laughs> those zombies out there. I mean, let's come go. on. <laughs> Next up, we've got Invasion of Ixalan, the two mana four defense. When ETBs look at the top five cards, you reveal a permanent from among them, put it in your hand, rest on the bottom in random order. It's basically impossible to miss with this. You're looking at five, so you're always going to hit at least the land. Uh, the backside, it's the four three where whenever you cast a spell, it gets indestructible. It's a trampler. This one is just good. Uh, it's two mana. You can cycle this for like a land or a creature or another battle very efficiently. Uh, but it's never like it's never one of the, the best things to see in your deck. It's not a kill spell. It's not adding to the board. But it was only a four defense. So that back dinosaur is pretty easy to unlock, especially for the big green creatures. Uh, I probably put this so maybe below Alara. Keeping it an A tier? Uh, probably top of B. I'll be honest. Yeah, even, sometimes, even sometimes flipped. Just a 4-3 sometimes isn't enough on board. Yeah, and it's a 4-3 with Trample, but like the indestructible thing is only relevant so often. You know, you, you can't mm-hmm. just keep up a spell every single turn. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Next up is Invasion of Kaladesh. This is the blue-red one. Four defense for this siege. When it ETBs, you create a 1-1 a colorless stop to artifact creature token with flying, and then it flips into a star four flying artifact vehicle uh, with power equal to the number of artifacts you control and crew one. Now, we were pretty low on this one in the format breakdown. I think I'm higher on it than I was. I still don't mm-hmm. think it's incredible in this format, but there are a lot more artifacts that are incidentally around than I originally thought there would be. And if you build right. a deck around this, you can make it happen. There, There is a blue-red artifacts deck if you want it. It's yeah, not with great. Transform uh, with, with a bunch of the incubators, right? Yeah, well they, they yeah, you just have the incubate tokens floating around. So you, yeah, already you can get artifacts that way. Uh, that said, it is kind of build aroundy. I don't think it's incredible, even if you can build around it very well. And so I've got it like above Belanon in the C tier. 
Yeah, I think that's perfect. Um, I might even bump it down. No, no, it does belong in C. I think it is better than Invasion of Ergamon. Uh, plus, the, the way it attacks is a 2-4 flyer. It's it's pretty good. Blue Red wants to get a token on the field that quickly uh, for two. Yeah, I'd probably put it above Belanon. Next up, we've got Invasion of Kaldheim. That's the three in a red, four defense. When it enters the battlefield, exile all cards from your hand, then draw that many cards. Until the end of your turn, you may play cards exiled this way. Uh, and then on the back, it's got Pyre the World Tree. You can discard a land card to deal two damage to any target. Whenever you discard a land card, exile the top card of your library. You may play it this turn. So I've actually cast this a couple times. It is a strong card draw spell in red. And then the back, if you can access it, is a strong late game thing. Problem is, there's a bit of an awkward tension here. You kind of want to hold some lands in hand to get exiled from the front side to help you draw into more gas. Like you don't want to play all, all the cards in your hand. But then on the back, then you've already just exiled all your lands, so you don't have any left to discard. I don't know. This one is strong, but not my favorite. And I think there's more reliable card draw that you can have in this format. Uh, plus, it's at four defense. It costs four. You can't always build a deck that, that can afford this. Uh, I, I do play it occasionally in my super big, ridiculous mid-range decks uh, that just need some late-game gas. But this, I, I think, is probably in the C tier. Yeah, I actually have this one probably the bottom of C tier. Yeah, Invasion of Belanon. Ah, I'd probably put it between Kaladesh and Belanon. Yeah? Hmm. Okay. I, I think I'm okay with that. I haven't gotten to play with this one, so I'm going to default to your judgment. I'm going to bump Eldraine to where you've got it, so we're on the same page here. But Oh, no, we should be making different ones. I've been doing all sorts of nonsense. <laughs> well, this is the one that the, this is the, one that the, uh, the listeners are going to see. So. Oh, that's true. I, I, I've been, we're just going to post both in the end anyway. Fair enough. All right, next up, we've got Invasion of Kamigawa. This is the four mana, four defense siege in blue. That ETB's tap target artifact creature, artifact or creature an opponent controls, put a sun counter on it. We talked about this one in the Kraken draft type thing. And then it transforms into the two, three flyer that uh, draws cards when it hits people, uh, players or battles. I, I've not really been a huge fan of this one. This one does hit on an effect that I think is actually quite good that we're going to see on one later, which is probably my favorite battle. I'll save the reveal of what that is until we get to it. But the uh, the fact that it taps something down when it ETBs does open a, a window potentially for you to flip it the turn that it's mm, played. True. And I think in that way, it's it's pretty useful. I mean, being able to tap their thing down, keep it tapped down for an extra turn, and then also turn that, that momentum into a 2-3 flyer that's going to keep drawing you cards is valuable. I still don't think this one is all that great, to be honest with you. But that's a trend I think is worth looking at because that is that is sort of battles that don't necessarily affect the board but do allow you to flip them right away are are kind of creeping up the the tier list for me. I put this one probably the bottom of B tier, top of mm. C, something like that. Yeah, I'd, I'd have it somewhere pretty close. I think maybe maybe right above Invasion of Kaldheim, right below Kaladesh. Mm, but okay. I could see I think I've got it a little bit higher than that. But yeah, that's fine. I, I could see putting it at the bottom of B tier. Yeah, I'll put it at the top of C for now. Next up, we've got Invasion of Karsis. Two red red four defense. When it ETBs, it deals three damage to each creature and each planeswalker. Now, this one has four and it deals three. So if you've got a four four, that's a nice little, you know, two hit combo. Uh, and then the backside, they're a fraction elemental. It's got word pay to life. And whenever you cast a spell, it deals two damage to each opponent. Really sick backside. That 4-4 on the back is worth accessing. Uh, and the front side is, it's not too hard to make that into a board wipe. Uh, you know, not great with 4-4s running around, but uh, there's not that many of them. I do find that this can sweep the board if you want it to. 
Yeah, this is one that I haven't quite gotten to play with either, and not for lack of being able to. Like, I've, I've seen it in drafts, but I haven't really found the deck to build this yet because I feel like this is the type of card that you really need to build your deck around it to make it valuable. And the red decks I've played don't want a four-mana board wipe. They, they just won't recover. So uh, mm. I haven't thought it's been very good, but I haven't really gotten to play it or seen it played to great effect either. So I don't know. What are you thinking? I, I've really liked it the couple of times I cast it and the backside, if you can get to it, is really strong. I'd probably put it somewhere in the A and B tier. I would take Alara okay, over this. Okay. Uh, but then again, we can't let my my love of nonsense cloud our judgment. <laughs> it might be better than Alara. Interesting. Okay. I wouldn't think it was quite that good. I, I had it probably somewhere in the B tier because the backside is really, really good. But I still haven't figured out how to how to evaluate the front side necessarily. Uh, I'm going to put it at top of B. Think about how you could just like stack a bunch of backup counters on one thing uh, and then help sure, it survive. Just a single like, big, yeah, that's true. Yeah, just okay. like wipe the yeah. board. I'll bump it above Alara. Next up is Invasion of Kylum. This is the red, white one, five defense, uh, ETBs to buff a couple of creatures, give them vigilance and haste. And then it flips into the weird sorcery that makes two three twos that buff each other when they attack or whenever another token uh, attacks. This one is weird. I wanted this to be heroic reinforcements and it just isn't yeah. even close. Yeah, I, I wish it made the creatures on the front somehow. Make them smaller, like make them one ones and then creatures you... Well, wait, no, that is just reinforcements. Uh, never mind. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, this, this is trash, I think. Yeah, I mean, I was definitely putting at the bottom of D. I... Yeah, it's probably just trash. Is It's better than Arcavios, though, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's definitely better than Arcavios. You can cast this one, and it can have an effect on the game, uh, unlike Arcavios. But th- this one is just... No, I, I was very, very sad to see how poorly this one played out. If, if Red-White was, like, playing 1-1 Flyers or 1-1 Unblockables, then this would be different because it could buff them and flip it immediately and do all that cool stuff. But, I mean, your opponent usually just has ways to trade off with the things that you buff. It's just not well, good the, enough. The, the other thing too is that like I've seen opponents put so much work into putting this card on the battlefield, then flipping it, only for me to bounce one of their two tokens, and now the other one's just a permanent <laughs> three-two because they don't have other ways to make tokens. Like yeah, yeah. Afaro's yeah. uh, dispersal. Afaro just laughs at invasion of right. Kylem. Next up, we've got invasion of Lorwyn, the six mana five defense, the oh, black yeah. green one, ETB destroy a target nine elf creature uh, of power X or less, where X is the number of lands you control. It'll be six or less usually because you're you're paying six mana for this, maybe five uh, if you're tapping a creature somehow. But th- this is a really, really nice one. It does cost six and it is just ETV kill something. But that backside, uh, you make uh, winnowing forces, the XX where X is the number of lands you control. Uh, this is a big one. Th- this is kind of like a stock uncommon removal spell. Uh, where does this one land for you? I like it a lot. I've probably got it somewhere in the A tier range, maybe below Alara. I don't think it's quite like the most impactful, but it is just a solid removal spell that does also potentially give you something reasonable in, as a late game creature as well. Um, mm. I've liked this in every every deck I've put it in. Yeah, bottom of A, top of B, something like that. Yeah, I would put it exactly in top of B. I agree. Uh, the, the big Sultai four color nonsense decks are always happy to pick up a copy of this. Yeah. Next up is Invasion of Mercadia. This is one in red for a four defense siege. When it ETBs, you may discard a card if you do draw a card, and then it flips into Chiron Flamerite. This is a 3-3 Goblin Shaman, a uh, Goblin Spellshaper, rather. Uh, two in a red, f- tap it, discard a card, create two one one blue and red elemental creature tokens. Creatures you control get plus one plus zero oh, and hasten to them. This one's just kind of mad. I mean, two mana loot is fine. This is a rummage, isn't it? Two mana rummage mm-hmm. is fine, but 
uh, I mean, the backside's not like all that exceptional. I don't really want to be paying three mana to pitch a card to make a couple of two, couple of one ones. I mean, if you're really heavy in the Convoke deck, this can be worth it. But you've got to put the work in to flip the first, like the front half anyway. It does put you up a card, though, because it, it makes you draw two cards. I guess it doesn't put you up a card. It's on parity because it is a card itself. But yeah. Yeah, I've gotten wrecked by the backside of this a couple times. Yeah. Uh, if your opponent is are playing like the black, red or blue, red, where they can make multiple bodies, um, just kind of build out rouse reinforcements, particularly. Uh, yeah, going this wide is and the, buffing the board can be big. Yeah, exactly. This is the type of card. I mean, this is just like a, a, a card you'd put in your deck sometimes anyway. Right. Like yeah, this is borderline playable in, in most modern limited red form, uh, like red decks. Uh, and if you get to flip this, I have found the backside occasionally pitching that card to be worth it. I uh, haven't played with this one as much, mostly against it. But given my proclivity for nonsense, go big green decks. If I have like one or two five fives on the field and my opponent like flips this, uh, I'm starting to think I'm in trouble if my life's below 10. So I, I think this is somewhere midway through B tier. Wow, really? I didn't have it quite that high. I was thinking like more top of C, but uh, yeah, no, you're right. It, it isn't. It isn't quite that good. It is probably worse than Eldrain. Uh, I still have Eldrain at the bottom of C. <laughs> 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 all right, all right. I would actually put this at the top of C tier. I think that's appropriate. Um, I think it's a little better than Kaladesh. Cool. Next up, here's one of my favorites: Invasion of Moog. Uh, white green is not the best in this format, but it is a lot of fun when it goes off. That's the green-white five defense ETB. Put a one-one counter on each creature you control, and when you flip it, you get that three-three with Ward two. And at the beginning of your end step, put a one-one counter on a creature you control. Uh, th- this is just—it's so comedically win more that when it goes off, it's so much fun. That being said, it's not as reliable as like a ETB kill something. I have top deck this with no creatures in the battlefield, and that obviously feels really bad. So uh, I think this is probably. Low B, high C. When you're playing on Vector and your deck is doing its thing, this card is nuts. You can do some stupid things with this in the Botanical Brawler, with Renata, uh, with the Kami of, of Whispered Hope. Uh, even, even that rare, uh, the, the uh, Shattered Ozolith. Uh, there's a bunch of ways to make like a Hardened Scales deck in this format. Then again, sometimes you just have no creatures because your opponent killed them and they were smart with their kill spells. So Moog, I think, is probably top of C, but mm. that's for me personally. It probably is supposed to be lower. I might yeah, put I it, think hmm. I think I've got it ab- above Kamigawa, like between Kamigawa and Mercadia. Uh, yeah, I just think the I think the ceiling on this puts it almost to like top of A. Like the ceiling on <laughs> yeah. this is very yeah. high. The floor is also very low. So yeah, definitely yeah, the highest differential of the ones we've seen so far. Also, I'm I'm looking at my C tier invasion of Belanon. It, it's still there. Um, I'm looking to bump this down a little bit. I don't know. Really. Yeah, I think it might be the best card in D for me. I just, I've cast it a couple times. I'm not super looking to cast it again. All right. Anyway, we'll, we'll keep going. I've still got it above Eldrain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up is Invasion of Muraganda. This is four and a green for a six defense siege. When it ETBs, put a 1 1 counter on target creature you control. Then that creature fights up to one target creature you don't control, and it flips into a primordial plasm. This is the 4 4 that. Uh, yeah, on, at the beginning of combat, another target creature gets plus two, plus two, and loses all abilities until end of turn. Uh, Muragata's been pretty good for me. I don't, all, I don't really ever care to flip this one, but the front side is just a fine fight spell. It's a little above rate. I mean, like, or below rate, I suppose. It's it's a it's a bit expensive for this effect, but I mean, it's a fine removal spell that can get you a creature later if you want it. 
Yeah, it's just awfully expensive. And yeah. then six cents, uh, it, it's not winning any awards for efficiency here. It's probably a C, right? Definitely in C tier. The question for me is where? Probably like dead center, to be honest. I think I put this between Kamigawa and uh, Kaladesh. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Right around the same for me. I think I might like it a little more than Kamigawa. Well, so my argument uh, with that no, is no, just that right. Kamigawa does something if you're behind and Muragana just doesn't really. Like if you don't have creatures, again, this one's just dead on, like just doesn't do anything. Kamigawa at least buys you a turn. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's true. It's not stone cold dead. Next up, we've got Invasion of New Capenna. Oh man, two mana, four defense. I mean, for how pivotal the invasion of New Capenna is in the story, you'd think this would be a little more impactful. This is the one when at ETBs you can sack an artifact or creature. When you do exile target artifact or creature and opponent controls. So you you two for one yourself, you one for two <laughs> to, uh, to, to do this if you're sacking something real. If you can make a ton of incubator tokens and maybe you don't even have the mana to flip them all, then you're kind of getting ahead on this. Uh, it forces a trade. Spending a card to force a trade is not always the best. Uh, the backside is functionally useless. I've never once seen yeah, it on the board. Just don't flip this. Yeah, this is one. And it, and it's weird because you, you, I mean, we've been trained, right? You see a two drop. You're like, that's a two drop. I play that on turn two. You do not play this card on turn two. Usually you don't play <laughs> yeah. it until like turn six or seven. Um, that said, it does let you like trade your one, one or like your two, two or yeah, some incubator token you haven't even flipped for their best creature. That's not nothing. And it exiles. So they don't even get death triggers. Yeah. Uh, I still think it's pretty good. Two mana kill anything is is still really good, especially when you can trade off like again a one one or like an incubator. You haven't done anything with. And you get in black white. You get incubators on everything. Like it is not hard to incubate in black white. Yeah, that's true. I don't have a lot of experience with the black white deck. I think you've played it more than I have. I guess you could sack like the Nizumi, the Rat, or something. Yeah, okay. You, you've sold me a little bit more on this one. Um, yeah, it's not A tier, of course, but like I think I mean it's a still a very solid removal spell. I think I'm putting it in, uh, should I say D? Hear me really? out. I don't think every black-white deck wants this. Or maybe they do. I mean, there's a I bunch of pacifisms do. in this format. Ugh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm Okay, black-white exile a permanent would be good. And occasionally you'll wind up in scenarios where that's close. Okay, okay. I'm, I've been talked up from trash all the way maybe to like bottom of C. Bottom? Like this is better than Muraganda. Yeah. Is it though? Muragata, you get to keep your thing. <laughs> sure. Uh, I guess so. Yeah. It's probably worse than Muragata. It's probably better than, okay. I don't, I don't have it quite a bottom of, of C. I think I'm rearranging a few things here. I'll put Eldrain above it. Uh, Eldrain should be I, above most things, but nope. <laughs> go off. <laughs> you will, you will, you will not convince me that that's true. Um, <laughs> Just try casting it. I promise it. I know it looks I have like cast trash. It. I, I know it no, looks I like played trash. it in pre-release. <laughs> it just um, didn't do enough for me in pre-release even so i don't know yeah, i haven't played fair. it in draft that's yet fair. uh invasion of new capenna I, I mean hear me out if divination's good in this format mind rot is also maybe decent in this format too right no because everybody's just drawing cards then you have tons <laughs> of stuff to discard uh whatever i, I think i'm gonna land new capenna no you're right it is better than Morganda, but i don't think it's better than than kaladesh I think it's it's also going to land in the middle of C. I, I'll, I'll take some more chance to play with this card, um, and then I'll get back to, to the listener on this. All right. Well, here's one I think we can both agree on. Invasion of New Phyrexia. This is an X white blue <laughs> for a six defense siege. ETB, create X two two white knight, white and blue knight creature tokens with vigilance. I mean, if the card was just that, like that's enough. <laughs> I don't even care that it flips into a planeswalker that does ridiculous stuff too. Yeah. 
Yeah, Most I mean, this might be the easiest it. to flip. This is easy S tier, right? Top of S tier. I don't, I don't think anything comes very close to this. Definitely top of S tier. This one is an I win the game type button. I mean, you cast this for eight mana and you just win the game next turn. Or oh, if you I've don't. I've cast it for four and then used uh, other creatures on board. Like I tapped out to cast this for X equals four. Use yeah. a couple other creatures to uh, tap out to, uh, not really tap out, but use a couple other creatures to convoke out a tap spell or a bounce spell or a stun spell or whatever. Mm-hmm. Attacked into this to flip it the turn I played it. <laughs> and then buffed all my knights in the same turn. Which is ridiculous. Yeah, real gross stuff. Uh, top of S. One of the best cards in the set. We've got Invasion of Pyrulia up next. Uh, not not quite as hype about this one, but it's fine. Uh, that's the two mana, the blue-green, uh, four defense. ETV, scry three, reveal the top card of your library. If it's a land or double face card, you draw. Uh, and then the back is the four, four with trample ward two and other transform things you control have ward two. A lot of stuff transforms in this set. Uh, this will incidentally give a lot of your random, like uh, random incubator tokens will have ward two. Not that you're ever really killing those, although that does blank bounce against those a good amount. Uh, sometimes your uh, Phyrexian activated ability creatures will have word two from this. Uh, I do like this one. The backside's worth getting to, and blue and green through flyers and beefy creatures. Uh, four defense is pretty trivial to get through. Uh, plus, there's even the Cosmic Hunger, which is the bite spell that lets you just immediately use a four drop to flip this. I've actually flipped this one at instant speed, and that four four word two is great with the Cosmic Hunger for like ambushing things. I like this one, but it's not fantastic. I'd probably put this at the bottom of B tier. Yeah, that's about where I have it. All right, next up is Invasion of Ravnica. This is the five-mana colorless siege with four defense, ETB, exile, target non-land permanent opponent controls that isn't exactly two colors. So uh, the backside is basically just a vanilla 5-5. Five, five. I, I mean, unless you really build your deck around it, you're not you're not getting a whole lot out of that extra backside. But mm-hmm. front side is great. I mean, it's a five-mana colorless exile anything, and that is just phenomenal. I mean, it does miss it does actually miss in this format and it misses big when it does miss. So uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there is that. I honestly think I put this below new Capenna. Am I crazy for saying what? That? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Uh, I would, I would put this at the top of it a. planeswalkers and stuff. Top of a top of a. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I guess it's not that bad that it misses on against. Are you ever players. passing a five no. mana colorless exile at most things? No, I mean, sometimes your opponent will just have like a massive token or something or like a huge common that they'll play the uh, uh, the Gloomfang Maul or the seven, seven menace. And uh, you're like, all right, well, good thing I have an answer. Right. Uh, This is unpassable. So factoring draft in. I do put it super yeah, high no, you're right. because you're right. this is just the safest pack one pick one of all time. That being said, what what keeps it out of S tier is when your opponent flips their invasion of uh, Amonkhet. And they've created this like five, five flying vigilance nightmare beast on the back. Uh, this, this can't hit that. And this can't hit a lot right. of the most impactful cards in the set of which there are plenty. It also can't hit the backside or front side of a lot of the battles we just talked about. So uh, yeah, I, I think that keeps it out of S, but you're never passing this card. So I do have it at, yeah, at top of A. I would take it over Gobicon, but I would probably, no, I would take it over almost all of these. Um, I think it'd probably take it over everything, but uh, Invasion of New Capanna, to be honest. Uh, new Phyrexia, you mean? Oh, yeah, New Phyrexia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you definitely mean New Phyrexia on this one, not New Capanna. 
Next up, we've got Invasion of Ragatha. The three mana, five defense, ETB deals four to another target battle or opponent, and one damage to up to one target creature. This is a tricksy one. You gotta be a little clever, making good use out of this one. It's not the best, uh, but if, if in a deck with multiple battles, this is good at chaining them. And the creature on the back is really strong. The 4-4 with uh, Prowess and uh, dealing extra non-combat uh, damage with, with uh, burn spells. Oh, yeah. uh, it does have five defense, so it's a little tough to get in there. But sometimes I've just hit my opponent's face with this. Uh, had some cool like battle looping decks uh, that, that could do cool stuff with Invasion of Brigatha. I think you know when you need this, and it's never, eh, it's never like the most important card in your deck. It really only do one with other battles, but there's some X ones you can pick off of this every once in a while. It just acts as an occasional kill spell. Uh, what are you thinking for this one? So my thought with this, I mean, the first thing I thought of when I saw this card was for some reason was invasion of Asgol, and I would much rather have this than Asgol. Mm. but I don't know if it's actually better or not. Yeah. I think there's, I, I a, think... there's a deck that really wants this card. And yeah. Most others sure. just kind of don't care. Like they'll take it. They'll play it maybe as a 23rd playable. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, like, just don't kind, just kind of don't care. So yeah. I don't know where that. Maybe that just makes it a C. I think it does. I think this this is one of the best Cs. Fair enough. Do you put this above Moag or Mercadia? Do you put it that high up or? Uh, yeah, I think I would. I, I really like this card. It's a pet card of mine. It's nonsensical. Sometimes this is the worst card you want to see off the top of your deck when you don't have a battle thing going. But sometimes I mean, the backside you have of this was one of my going. favorite flips on on in, in yeah. battles in this set. Yeah, so true. I, I totally get it. I just. I'm not so sure where I put it. I think mm-hmm. I would put it below Mercadia, maybe above Moag, because again, this is a card that like when you're behind does kind of help maybe. Yeah. But I'd yeah. much rather just have the rummage from Mercadia in most, most scenarios. Um, I'm cool with that placement. Yeah. All right. Next up, one of my personal pet battles of this set invasion of Segovia. This is the two and a blue four toughness def- uh four defense siege when it etbs create two one one blue crack and creature tokens with trample yep one ones with trample gotta love it <laughs> but then segovia. it flips into cadus sea tyrant of segovia which is a legendary serpent it's a three three non-creature spells you control have uh, non-creature spells you cast have convoke and at the beginning of your end step untap up to four target creatures really cool design so good it's just such a good card too yeah um, I haven't gotten to cast this one unlimited yet. I've gotten to play it in constructed alongside invasion of new Phyrexia, uh, in like a, oh, a Saffron disgusting. olive blue, white token special. I'll send you the list. You're going to love it, dude. It is as he described it. You're playing vintage and everyone else is playing standard. That sounds disgusting. Um, so clearly this goes top of S tier above new Phyrexia, right? <laughs> <laughs> not quite although it's probably no, better than most of the ones in a uh i think it's probably above alara and that's been a good standing uh like a good post so far well, alara is the by. bottom of a for me so <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah yeah same uh i don't know where i put it maybe i think i put it above alara above Carsis and about yeah. there like i don't think it's better than amonkhet Wow, it really is nuts how good Invasion of Amonkhet is. It's been edging out all these other rares and mythics. I think it's it's Amonkhet probably just about requires the same. no work. That's my biggest thing with with Invasion of Amonkhet. Like you don't have to do anything else besides play it, and like you're good to go. Eh, yeah, yeah. I mean, as it, long it, as you it is two it, colors, I guess, but I think I'd probably put Segovia over it just because it's a, a little better to pack one pick one. Like these two could be next to each yeah, other in a true. pack, and I'm taking Segovia every time, right? Yeah. Totally agree. Yep. Next up, we've got Invasion of Chandelar. Five mana, four defense. This one's mythic. When an ETB is returned, three permanents, up to three permanents from your graveyard to your hand. The backside is some nonsense called Leyline Surge. At the beginning of your upkeep, you can put a permanent from your hand onto the battlefield. 
love it. I have actually cast this. I have gotten back three permanents and I did flip it and I did get to free cast some like big beefy stuff. But again, this is these nonsense five color, <laughs> like five color go big mode decks. Uh, this is not very good. This is definitely no higher than D. I'd be okay with calling it trash too, having cast it myself, but it, it does work sometimes. Like it's just way too win more, right? Like you need like a crazy deck that has ridiculous bombs and then you need to flip the thing and just, then you just, how do you lose if you can free cast all your creatures? Yeah. It does naturally play well with the, uh, the land cyclers. I could see maybe a black green deck that makes use out of this, but even those decks can be more aggressive than what this is trying to do. This is probably, it is also five mana. Do nothing really. Yeah, yeah, this is pretty low in D. I think I'm going to put it bottom of D tier. It's not totally trash, yeah, but it is maybe the least playable playable. <laughs> yeah. All right, we've got another mythic here. Invasion of Tarkir. One on a red for a five defense siege. When it ETBs, reveal any number of dragons from your hand. When you do, it deals X plus two damage to any other target, where X is the number of cards revealed. X can be zero, of course. And then it flips into a 4-4 four, four flying trample dragon that deals two every time it attacks to anything yeah this is this one's nuts nuts just absolutely bonkers s bottom oh. s tier maybe i uh, have it, it higher is it better than fiora i think it i is. think it's actually better than fiora and innistrad interesting okay i would need for me to make that evaluation i would need to know how many dragons are in the set but <laughs> uh i think kind of half of one i'm pretty sure it's just uh zergo and ojitai right is, is that the only one I think so. The way this one tends to play out is that it, it's just such an efficient removal spell. Uh, you have like a, 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 a maybe three power flyer or something. You use this to kill their preening champion that was, you know, maybe a potential blocker. Uh, and then you just end up getting in, flipping the super easily. It, it's just maybe the most efficient battle in the set behind only Invasion of New Phyrexia. And because of that efficiency, I do put it in, in S just behind New Phyrexia. Yep, I, I get behind that. Uh, think about it like a bone crusher giant, except you got to do a little more work and the backside is maybe way better. Yeah. Next up, we've got invasion of Theros, the three mana four defense ETB search your library for an aura God or demigod, put it in your hand and shuffle. Haven't gotten to do this one yet. Although I'm kind of looking forward to it still. I, I one of the achievements I want to get in this set is, uh, revealing an aura God or demigod to this. I guess the true flavor win would be use invasion of Theros to, uh, tutor up Heliod and then use the back set of Heliod to free cat or, or to uh, instant speed a sunfall. That'd be like the most flavor win possible. True. The backside is pretty good as well. Uh, you don't really have that many enchantments in this set that like are worth playing really. So unless you have like a high uh, count of the Phyrexian ones, which are basically the only ones you're really playing besides like the pacifism effects. But hmm. yeah, I don't know. I mean, this one, it, it's, it's very build around like, I don't think you put this in your deck if you've got one aura, right? Like, yeah, uh, I think you're pretty safe going the whole format, never casting this. I'm comfortable putting it in the trash yeah. tier. Yeah, I agree. I've never once wanted this. Still above Arcavius, though. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we've got Invasion of Tolvada. This is uh, another one of the black, white ones. Five mana, five defense. ETB, return target, non-battle permanent card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Uh, and then it flips into the broken sky. Creature tokens you control get plus one, plus zero, and have lifelink. At the beginning of your end step, create a one, one white and black spirit creature token with flying. My inclination to love everything that's a spirit on it aside, this is just a pretty solid card. Five mana, reanimate anything is pretty good. It does only hit your battlefield, though. Uh, sorry, mm. your graveyard, which does make it a bit worse. Uh, you do need to have like some decent things having died by turn five or so before this to really be something you love. But I don't know. 
I, I think it's pretty decent. Oh, I think it's fantastic. One small problem that I've had with it is that sometimes there's nothing really to get back that's that good. Uh, right. This does make you go higher on uh, the the Gloomfang Mauler and the White Cycler, the uh, Alabaster oh, yeah. Host Intercessor, I think. Uh, those two are obviously fantastic with this. Otherwise, you might just be trading stuff off in black and white. Black white also has a pretty high density of flyers in the set. And sometimes those flyers don't really trade off as well. You don't really want to trade off your flyers and they tend to fly over and, and, and not trade off naturally. Uh, but the backside of this, really, really strong. Um, I, I would put this probably pretty high in the A tier. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. I still think I put it behind the monocolored cards in A tier. Yeah, I'd agree. You know, at five mana, you're almost never going to really care about the color constraints here. Like you typically mm-hmm. are going to have the, the two colors you need but even still i think when we talk about like first what we're first picking i would probably still take one of the monocolored ones over this yeah i agree uh we've kind of had these two checkpoints here in uh invasion of alara and invasion of amonkhet i think i would put this above amonkhet yep that's exactly right i've got it next up we've got invasion of ogrotha five mana five defense etb deal three to any target and you gain three I've used this to just lightning helix people's face and kill them. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the hidden mode on this. Uh, it's it's also just good creature removal. The back yeah. three, three flyer. It does have only five defense, so you can usually flip this, but the back is, is just kind of whatever. It's a goofy, not vampire human wizard thing that has like the, uh, whenever thing dies, it gets a counter and you gain a life. It's, it's just whatever you're playing this for the front side, mostly. Uh, and then if you're flipping it, you're really doing the win more thing. This is probably a B, right? I don't know, man. I still think five mana is like way too expensive for that effect. It's a good effect, mm. but five mana is a lot to helix somebody when you could when you're used to doing that for two mana. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. I don't know. I, I think it's maybe a bit better than Invasion of Pyrulia, though. I'd rather have this kill spell than you know just uh, selection. Mm. That's true. Hmm. I don't know. I think I'm putting it atop a C. Fair. I just think it's too expensive. And I played this one in pre-release as well. And a lot of games I was like, I like five mana was just way too much for this mm-hmm. effect. Yeah, that's fair. Because by the time you return five, dealing three damage is not killing the most prominent thing on the board. Almost always. Yeah. And three isn't usually enough to kill the, the, the heavy bombs that your opponents are bringing. So. Right. Next up is Invasion of Vryn. This is uh, four mana, four defense. ETB, draw three cards, then discard a card. And it flips into Overloaded Mage Ring where it says pay one, tap, sack it to copy target spell you control. Now, that is any spell. As long as it's on mm. the stack, it is it is a spell. You can counter, you can copy anything with it. Um, that said, I don't really ever find myself wanting to play this one. Um, the blue decks I've drafted just haven't wanted it though i will admit that most of the blue decks i draft are blue white knights go wide kind of convoke decks so uh this is just too slow for those but i mean it it does put you up a card the backside is pretty ridiculous Mm, i don't know where do you have this uh i've got it in d Uh, i've definitely seen games where i was in a top deck war with my blue black opponent all of us just had our lands dumped the boards are empty my opponent tops deck this and just slams it and i'm like man (laughs) <laughs> that's not good yeah. so sometimes yeah. a, a four mana draw three discard one has a purpose uh that being said you can't really there, there's more efficient things to do with your mana in the set this is not the type of thing you'd want to curve out with um you're just going to give your opponent too much time to set up their board and, and start beating you down and flipping their own battles so i would put this in d somewhere between 
You know, honestly, I'd put it between Bellinon and Dominaria. Break those two up. Interesting. I still have Bellinon at the bottom of C, but that's fine. We've got Invasion of Xerex next here. Four mana, four defense, ETB return up to one target creature to its owner's hand. This is a cool one. You can bounce your own stuff to, to uh, flicker it out of a pacifism. You can bounce your opponent's tokens. Um, nice stuff like that. So uh, I like this one, and it's pretty I easy to flip with just four defense. Yeah, I knew you would. Uh, the backside is, is obviously battle. great. <laughs> okay, okay. I had a funny feeling. The backside is an, a star star where star is the number of creatures you control. Usually it's like a four uh, or a star, five. Star flyer. Yeah, That's yeah. relevant. Yeah, it is. Uh, very good at flipping battles itself, too. Yes. Um, I have chained these together. And ew. White good chains <laughs> together. Oh, yeah. Um, ew. To the point where, like, I had I had a couple of flyers. I think I had the Xerix Strobe Knight and uh, maybe a Preening Champion. Mm-hmm. And I played Invasion of Xerix, Bounce Opponents, Flying Blocker, Swing In, Flip, Invasion of Xerix. Next turn, Invasion of Xerix, Flip, uh, Bounce there, <laughs> Five Drop, Flip that, the same turn. It's just disgusting. And just such a good, like, top-end tempo card for those Blue-White Knights decks that I was talking about. And, yes, I do mean top-end because those decks typically cast, like, six-mana spells on turn four because they can convoke them out. And uh, I've loved this card. I, yeah, it's not S tier of course, but like I do actually think it's in the A tier. Wow. Really? I love it. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. I got to play with it more. I've only cast it a couple times. I I was thinking somewhere mid B, but um, I I could see it being that good. Yeah. I mean, I might be, I might just be too high on it because I've had really good, like I've had good experiences with it. There, there are some bad, I mean, doesn't do everything right. Four mana bounce. One thing is it's very expensive on summon, but mm, yeah, um, it's been very good for me. I'll put it just under uh, Alara. The top yeah, of a, sure. at the bottom of a tier last, but not least four mana, three defense. When an ETB search your library for up to two basic lands, put them onto the battlefield tapped and then shuffle. And it flips into awakened skyclave. It's a four, four vigilance haste. And as long as it's on the battlefield, it's also a land and it taps to add one mana of any color. I mean, this is like the most traditional ramp spell we get in this format, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Seems fine. The thing is, I've always thought this was just too slow. I mean, four mana, yes, it gets you two lands, but by the time you're on turn four, I mean, you are you should kind of be grinding. That said, the five-color ridiculous nonsense decks that you like to play probably love this card. <laughs> this is absolutely the best card for those decks. Uh, they do tend to be basic-oriented because it uh, pairs with Skittering Surveyor, that type of thing. They wind up with like a bunch of forests, a bunch of islands, and then one of each of whatever else is going on. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of Invasion Zendikar. Also, three defense. That, that's very yeah, little. Very easy and flip. Yeah, if this thing had like five or six, I'd be way lower on it. But the fact that you can usually flip this with your three drop, if your opponent like has, is not curved out or they miss something, uh, or you can just hit it with uh, Volcanic Spite, right? Or or maybe like a, a Cosmic Hunger or something like that. So uh, th- this is... is pretty easy to flip the backside's fun too it's a four four that can tap and and do all that stuff so uh, this one really gets the multicolor decks firing all cylinders i think it's probably pretty high b or pretty low a oh wow uh i probably had it low b high c it's not one that i've played i haven't really drafted those go nuts five color decks yet so oh, you are missing i out. do recognize that I do recognize like you kind of need this card in those decks. So it's definitely a, a good card in those decks and does make those kind of tick. Um, yeah, it's probably better than Asgol. So I guess that puts it at least mid mid B tier at least. I don't think I'd put it above Lorwyn though. No, I actually put it directly beneath Lorwyn. 
It might actually be above, though. Uh, I don't know. I could see an argument for it being <laughs> above, but I think that's context dependent. I think in general, I would have it below. But if you have a, if you do have one of those five color decks, like I would take this above Lauren for sure. Yeah, I agree. All right. I mean, that's a tier list. Um, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, the video is probably largely unreadable because these images are, t- are quite tiny, but I'll throw it in there <laughs> anyway, and we'll see uh, see if if you like it, listener. Let us know in the Discord. If you're not already in the Discord, check out the episode description to find the link to that. You can check out all the different channels we have going on in the Discord. Definitely love to have you over there. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draftshaftpod. Again, huge thanks to everybody who supports us over there. We made it to 150 episodes. That's wild. Most uh, apparently, if you if you make 21 podcast episodes, you're in the top one percent of podcasters. So I think we're uh, <laughs> we're handily handling the top like oh 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 one percent or something. Um, wow, we made it. Anyway, you can find us on Twitter as well at DraftJaffPod. Send us your tier list too. Check this out. We'll have the link in the episode description so you can come to this uh, tier list thing and and make your own tier uh, list. The the tier maker site. And uh, we'd love to see them. Drop them in uh, the mom or random channels in the Discord and and we can kind of go back and forth. Let us know if you agreed with our picks. Ben and I disagreed on a handful of them, so that was probably fun. Uh, curious where you guys fall on the ones we disagreed on, so uh, we'd love to hear about that. Thanks, folks, and we'll catch you next week. So I see you've got a sign-off idea, huh? Yeah, I didn't want to steal your sign-off thunder, but the Dune 2 trailer dropped today, and it's pretty good. I'm... <laughs> I saw you texted it to me and then I looked at my phone and I saw two other people texted it to me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I haven't had a moment of free time today. Uh, but as soon as we hang up this call, I'm going to go get dinner. I'm going to watch it. It, it. I will I, say I'm very excited. I will say I don't think it I think it's a good trailer in that it hypes you up for the movie, but doesn't really give anything away as far as I can tell. And I haven't read the, all the books yet, so it might give away more than I'm realizing. But I don't think it gives away all that much and it does. It definitely got me hyped. I was like, man, I can't wait to see this. Okay. I, I can't wait to watch this then because I absolutely loved the first one. Denis Villeneuve can do no wrong in my eyes. So if he's at the helm still and all the original cast is back, uh, look, and Hans Zimmer's soundtrack is just oh, gorgeous. Yeah. Y- you build a movie with that kind of music and a bunch of scars guards running around and, and Timothy Chalamet and <laughs> all the, all them, you get the biggest names that are really talented in Hollywood. And of course, Ooh, your movie's and what's her face? Awesome. I don't know. Have you looked at the cast for this one at all? Like the new cast? No, no. Oh man, the the chick who plays—I can't remember her name. Uh, Princess Arulin. Oh, it's Florence Pugh. Oh, I love Florence Pugh. Oh, this is yeah. awesome. This is what a. Oh man, this is yeah, this is great. <laughs> oh, and I want to see more of of, uh, of Dave Bautista as Robin. That that'll be cool too. Oh yeah, yeah, it's gonna be good.